Hello, and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast. I'm Stacey West from Fun Caliber, taking a look back at the first year of our Investing on the Go podcast, launched a year ago today under extremely different circumstances. Our first interview was with James Thompson, manager of Rathbone Global Opportunities Fund, who we caught in a restaurant just before he hosted a dinner with 40 people. You can even hear cutlery and plates rattling around in the background. But roll on 12 months, and today we're conducting virtual interviews via Zoom, and you're more likely to hear dogs or children in the background as fund managers, like many of us, are working from home, self-isolating to stay safe. It's a completely different world. In the first interview, James described being a fund manager. I guess I, I, w- I would explain it as a sort of cuddly version of Dragon's Den. Okay. Uh, uh, less ego, uh, fewer demands, uh, but equally critical and skeptical. You know, I spend all my time meeting with companies and analysts trying to unearth the best investment ideas around the world. I buy about 60 stocks, mid and large size companies, under the radar growth businesses uh, in some of the most exciting parts of the stock market. James's biggest concern at the time was Brexit. Remember that? And he was avoiding UK companies, preferring those from the US and Europe. Our second podcast was with Shizako Hardy, manager of Active Fremont's and Japan Fund, and it's still one of our most listened to episodes today. In the interview, Shizako talked us through how corporate Japan had to reinvent itself after its bubble burst and how its aging population was driving the robotics theme. And in the first 10 episodes, we managed to cover global, UK and European equities, bonds and residential property and the specialist areas of healthcare and infrastructure, pretty much every area of investment you might like to consider. The big themes that were discussed in the next 10 or so episodes were Brexit, trade wars, and President Trump picking fights on social media. As Mark Sherlock, manager of Hermes US Smith Equity, put it in episode 11, of course, a lot of airtime is given to politics in the US currently with um, the, the, the president and his fondness for, for, for tweeting. Um, the, the, those tweets may amuse or appall in, in, in equal measure, but on a day-to-day basis for many of our companies, they are not that relevant. Devin Kalu, manager of ASI Latin America Fund, also discussed the proposed wall between Mexico and the US in his interview in episode 13. Um, I think... When we look at the relationship between the US and Mexico, um, our view is that because they're such close neighbors, uh, they are so economically entwined that ultimately compromises will be struck. And therefore, when we look at the uncertainty around the world, uh, we think it's more certain that things will get resolved positively in Mexico and that there will continue to be a strong symbiotic relationship between the two countries. In contrast, um, I think some of the issues that have been faced with China and the US, uh, where it's more confrontational, I think there is more to be worried about there. In episode 20, Richard Hallett, manager of Marlboro UK Multicap Growth Fund, described in a nutshell the impact Brexit was having on UK companies. Uh, The UK economy, as we see it at the moment, is is growing um, at a fairly tepid rate of about 1% to 1.2%, depending on who you speak to. Um, But that is uh, on a slowing trajectory. Really, um, uh, this is due to the ongoing effects of the Brexit uncertainties and the effects that's having on entrepreneurs and business leaders and the um, slowdown in decision-making in the the business environments. 
it's also having an effect on consumer spending habits as well. And we see all these areas sort of really um, being affected, particularly in the car industry, in the construction sectors, hospitality, and, and, and in the retail space as well. Um, but having said all that, this 1.1% growth we see as being particularly resilient given the geopolitical sort of headwinds that the UK economy is um, enduring. Um, but without Brexit, out forecasting the Brexit um, outcome, you know, we see a continuation of that sort of trend. Um, conversely, on the global side of things, growth is about 3%, again on a slowing um, level, um, but more impacted by the uh, US versus China uh, trade negotiations, which have been upping um, in uh, ante over the last few months. Now, Gallagher, manager of Gamstar Continental European Equity Fund, gave his view from a non-UK perspective in episode 21. Uh, Brexit is something I think we're all a bit bored of. I think ultimately uh, it will have an impact in the short term, but I don't think in the long term it'll be huge. And for an investor in European companies that operate globally, actually it's really not that important at all. I think the China-US stuff is much more important and I think it's much broader than a global trade war. I think what it comes down to more than anything else is the US waking up to the fact that two decades of technology transfer, which the Chinese often insist on as part of uh, dealing with US and European companies, is beginning to hand too much of an advantage to China. Martin Lau, manager of First State Greater China Growth Fund, agreed in episode 23 that the trade wars could be long. The trade war, we believe, is a huge uh, subject, and, and we also believe it is, go- it is going to be something which would uh, last for many, many years. Um, it depends on the, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the dinner between Trump or Xi, Xi Jinping or whatever. Sometimes it can be better, sometimes, sometimes it can be worse. Uh, but our view is that this is going to be, uh, this relates to two big economies with different kind of uh, federal systems and having a conflict. Uh, it may be Huawei today, maybe technology, maybe trade, maybe import tariff, it may be, you know, something else tomorrow. So, so we believe if the conflict is not going to go away uh, anytime soon. Then, episode 25 was the first of a number of interviews looking at responsible investing, talking to managers and analysts of funds that had an environmental focus. We started with Luciana Diana, manager of Pictay Global Environmental Fund. He had this to say. I think if we are not careful, there's some areas of the planet like the Amazon where we could reach some, some tipping points uh, that, that, uh, and that it will be too late. But uh, by and large, um, I'm optimist uh, and I think that we have uh, the technology tools to address some of these issues. Uh, but, but yeah, but the problems are serious and we shouldn't underestimate how serious they are. In episode 26, Neville White, Head of Responsible Investment Policy and Research at Edentree, talked to us about how ethical investing has evolved and why biodiversity is the Cinderella of the investment world. While in episode 27, I caught up with Eva Keynes, an ESG investment analyst at Aberdeen Standard Investments, we talked more about agriculture. 
I think we really need to transform the way we do agriculture and it's so many aspects to that so improving technology improving efficiency improving um, the soil I think that's been a really big issue we've seen from the IPCC report how soil erosion is a really big issue due to the really heavy downpours that um, we are experiencing and that will only get worse and what impact that has on soil erosion and, mm. and, the, and the quality of harvests we can expect. Episode 32, 33 and 34 were recorded at Fund Calibre's annual investment dinner and each manager talked about their revenue reserves and how important they could be to help maintain dividend payments during the times of economic hardship. Little did they know then, but in less than five months, they'd be contemplating dipping into their reserves as the coronavirus and global shutdown would lead to many companies suspending or cancelling their dividends. But more on that later. Job Curtis, manager of City of London Investment Trust, told us. How this works is that in the good years, as an investment trust, we can hold back a little bit of the income up to 15%. We might hold back, say, 5 6%, put yeah. that in our revenue reserve. And then in the difficult years, say, seven difficult years during my period for income, we can dip into that reserve. So for consistent dividend growth, I mean, 53 years is the longest record of any investment trust or fund in the UK and um, it isn't we're very proud of it but we could only achieve that through the investment trust structure but Peter Earings manager of BMO Global Smaller Companies added Yes, so I became the lead manager of this fund in 2005, and since then, in two years, in 2010 and 2011, we did dip slightly into the revenue reserve. Mm-hmm. Um, that was at a time where, if you remember, there was the big global recession. Uh, companies were under a bit of pressure, so yeah. dividend income on the portfolio did suffer a little bit at that point in time. So it was nice to be able to dip into that mm-hmm. revenue reserve and keep the dividend growth record going. As we headed towards the end of 2019, a snap election brought UK politics back to the top of the discussion themes and with it a sense of fatigue with the whole situation. But with a majority government secured, Boris Johnson promised he'd get it done and we headed into 2020 with a little more optimism than we'd had for some time. As James Baker, manager of MI Shelverton UK Equity Growth, said in episode 43. I think companies had got to the point where... um, they were doing nothing because there's so much uncertainty about the the future direction yes. of the economy. So, so I think with the with the with the with the majority government, I think that has sort of provided more clarity. So there's a partly rally from that, and there's also a relief rally because we've got a, a relatively business friendly government, uh, which might not have been the case, of course, if if it, you know if we'd had a had a socialist government or a socialist minority government. But then came COVID-19. We first broached the subject with Jason Pidcock, manager of Jupiter Asian Income Fund, in episode 44 that was recorded in early February when the coronavirus was still being thought of as a China-Asia problem. At the time, Jason had this to say. Well, from an economic point of view, definitely worse than SARS, no no question. And and that's because China's economy is so much bigger now uh, and consumption as a part of that economy is is bigger. Uh, The way that the government has trying to clamp down uh, and to contain this virus is, whilst it's probably the right thing to do from a health point of view, is very disruptive for the economy. So there's no question the first quarter GDP growth in China will be hit very hard, and I suspect the first half will be hit uh, very hard. We don't know when the number of new cases will start rolling over and declining, Um, and for the moment, cases and deaths are still going up fairly steadily on a daily basis. Markets always, of course, react 
early on. Yeah. Uh, and so there's just because the number of cases continues to go up doesn't mean markets will keep falling. So uh, and today we've seen a, you know, a fairly significant rebound in a number of Asian markets as some investors think that some prices have fallen too, too far. far yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to make any short-term predictions, but history suggests that viruses like this do become contained eventually, uh, and then the, the economic impacts don't linger for that long as um, repressed demand uh, plays catch-up. But it wasn't until a month later that we started asking every fund manager about how they were dealing with the potential impact of the coronavirus on their holdings. In episode 48, newly appointed co-manager of ASI Global Smaller Companies Fund, Chris Indecent said, I think governments around the globe um, have followed in China's lead and they seem to be acting very quickly to try and contain or shut down this virus. And um, markets seem to be encouraged by the fact that central banks have said they'll step in to provide liquidity. So we do think that the first quarter will be very badly affected. We've already seen negative numbers coming out of China specifically. And there may be some hit going into second quarter. Um, but we expect that um, economic activity will rebound and possibly rebound quite sharply in the second half of the year. Andreas Zollinger, manager of BlackRock Continental European Income, discussed the huge stock market falls we experienced in March and the subject of dividend cuts in episode 52. In episode 53, we got into the nit and gritty of the fight against COVID-19 with James Douglas, manager of Polar Capital Global Healthcare Trust. He had this to say. Well, I do think that the healthcare industry has done a phenomenal job in, in pulling together to, to try and tackle tackle this crisis. So I think that's one thing. Secondly, I do believe, um, and this is very much a long-term perspective, that it has highlighted some of the shortcomings potentially in some of the healthcare infrastructures globally. And so what we could do is we could see enhanced levels of investments. Um, we could see enhanced level of investment, certainly in hospitals and facilities potentially. We could see be enhanced level investment in things like telemedicine, whereby physicians can interact with their patients remotely as opposed to physical contact. So there are a variety of areas that we certainly think could come out of this um, in better shape. The big question, obviously, is one of, of how long that might potentially take and where difficult capital investments will be made, because obviously those decisions might, might have been altered by what's happened over the last two, three months. We then asked Jeremy Smua, who's on the board of Gamstar Credit Opportunities Fund, about bond markets in the crisis in episode 55 and the fact that the income potential of bonds is now more attractive and could help investors replace some of the income lost to dividend cuts. March and April particularly were certainly uncertain and scary times, as Hugh Greaves, manager of LF Might and U.S. Opportunities Fund, described it. This is unlike anything that any of us have ever seen before. None of us have a pattern or a model that we can refer back to. But, you know, the way that we've been looking at this is it's like sort of running up and suddenly finding this chasm has opened up in front of you and everyone's sort of looked over the edge and been scared out of their minds as they've, as they've looked down into the depths. But then you've had the, the Federal Reserve and, the, um, and Congress and authorities around the world have thrown all of this money, putting the US economy and other economies around the world into this sort of self-induced coma to get us across to the other side 
where the ambition is obviously to wake all these companies back up and kind of carry on as if nothing has happened. So what they're effectively doing is they're building a bridge across this chasm that's opened up. And you know, here we are, we're walking across this bridge towards the other side where hopefully everything has resolved itself in the future. And one day we'll look back on all this and go, what did we worry about? But here we are, we find ourselves on the bridge, hopefully getting closer to the other side. But sometimes we look down and we go, oh my God, this is really scary because every, of everything that is happening or could happen and you know, people are dying and companies could go bust and employment's going through the roof. But then we look up into the future and we go, actually, the future's not that far away. And the future, hopefully, is going to be okay. So we're, as a stock market and as, maybe as people in general, we're alternating between looking down and getting scared and looking up and getting hopeful. And I think that the closer we get to the other side, the less looking down we do and the more looking forward we do. And you know, that's, that's what's going to lift the market higher from here is that increased confidence that we're going to get to the other side and everything is going to be okay. And our most recent interview was with Alessandra DiCarado, co-manager of 91 Global Special Situations, UK Special Situations, and Cautious, Cautious Managed Funds, all of which are now Elite Radar. And as we head into the middle of 2020, who knows what the future will bring? Investing on the go may be temporarily investing from home, but the investment landscape continues to be fascinating and the managers we talk to continue to bring investment opportunities to life. To listen to any of the episodes mentioned, or to learn more about the funds, please visit fundcalibred.com. To stay up to date with the Investing on the Go podcast as new insights come out each week, please remember to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. <laughs>